When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. An off-season like no other is almost over. 257 days ago, Michigan's men's team was warming up inside Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, getting ready for a scheduled matchup with Rutgers for a spot in the Big Ten Tournament quarterfinals. As we've heard from so many in the months since, including a few players here on Defend the Block, that was a surreal day. The news of Rudy Gobert's positive diagnosis and the NBA's pause from the night prior still fresh in everyone's mind. The eeriness of watching two teams prepare for a game, a big game, with no fans filing in to get ready for tip-off. And then the official announcement that the Big Ten tournament would be canceled. Of course, hours later, the NCAA tournaments were canceled as well. And knowing what we know now, it was unquestionably the right thing to do, even though, still to this day, it seems so strange that there was no March Madness, no team that had that one shining moment. So 257 days later, here we are on the eve of a new season in college basketball, and there are plenty of unknowns. We did not know the men's schedule until last week. The women's schedule hasn't still fully come out. 10% of men's college teams are on pause right now because of COVID-19. Nobody knows what this season will look like. Nobody knows what next week will look like in college basketball. Quite frankly, no one has the definitive answer for the best way to handle this complex situation. But If the players want to play, if the coaches want to coach, and if the schools and conferences set up, implement, and enforce strict guidelines, we've got a real shot to have a college basketball season that looks somewhat like what we expect. It will look different in many ways. It will feel different in many ways. But isn't that what 2020 has been all about? Of course, you hope every college basketball game that's scheduled gets played, but 
We all know that's not going to happen. Far from it. But these players have worked for an opportunity. You, the fans, have waited for the opportunity. Whatever this season looks like, let's appreciate it. In the spirit of this week, let's be thankful for it. Because as we learned rather unexpectedly 257 days ago, these things which felt guaranteed, which felt normal, well, they aren't guaranteed. We heard it plenty leading into the football season, and it fits here too. Stay positive, test negative, let's play basketball. Welcome, believe it or not, to our game week edition of Defend the Block. We're talking Michigan basketball. Welcome to Defend the Block, where we'll take you inside the basketball programs with interviews, analysis, and so much more. Now, here's your host, Brian Bush. We're coming to you a little bit early this week because, well, there are games to talk about. Can't wait. Wednesday, women's basketball at home against Central Michigan. 12.30 tip-off. Matt Park will have the radio call for you on WTKA in Ann Arbor. And then Terry Mills and I will bring you Michigan and Bowling Green on the men's side. 3.30 pregame, 4 o'clock along the network as the Wolverines kick things off inside Chrysler Center. We encourage you to subscribe, to rate, to review, and let us know what you think about the episodes we're going to have post-game. Similar to what we do with football, we're going to give you plenty of post-game sound, analysis, some highlights from that Michigan men's matchup with Bowling Green. We'll have that episode for you a few hours after the game against the Falcons and then, of course, against Oakland on Sunday and throughout the season. So please, rate, review, subscribe, Let us know what you think about the episodes. We're excited to bring you that and add another layer to MGO Blue Podcasts here in basketball season. All right, to the most interesting items from head coach Juwan Howard's press conference on Monday. As we talked about off the top, we're going to see some college basketball. That is, if the players and the coaches are comfortable with it, the universities and the leagues implement and enforce these guidelines to try to keep everyone as safe as possible. For Coach Howard, of course, he recognizes that the other duties as assigned aspect of his job, well, they're in full force with everything that comes into play with competing in college basketball during a pandemic. I'm not just their basketball coach. I'm their mother and their father. Uh, Yes, I do. Um take full responsibility when mom and dad is not here and they're here on campus. Uh, They're under my provision. So, you know, I do my best as far as keeping them engaged, uh, informed with everything that's happening. Um, Also protecting and keeping their health and safety first. Uh, Yes, basketball uh, is a huge reason why they're here because they're a student athlete and uh, they've got a scholarship to compete at, at University of Michigan and represent the uh, the block M, but they also represent their family name. But I want them to know that it's not about, at this time, about the game of basketball. It's about their health. And um, with, with that being said, um, yes, I have nights where, you know, I wake up early in the morning thinking and concerned with uh, what's, what's happening with our kids. And uh, it, it's a stressful time for us all. That is for sure. But Michigan is working its way toward a matchup with Bowling Green on Wednesday. But first, this past Friday, a closed scrimmage. 13-point win for the team of Eli Brooks, Franz Wagner, Adrian Nunez, Hunter Dickinson, and Brandon Johns, defeating Mike Smith, Zeb Jackson, Sean D. Brown, Isaiah Livers, and Austin Davis. We'll talk to Franz about that scrimmage here in a bit, but 
Franz led the way with 26 points, and here's Coach Howard on what he saw. I really enjoyed this our scrimmage because it was extremely competitive. Um, our guys really got after it. Um, defensively, uh, I really enjoyed watching our defensive disposition as well as offensively. There are some really good things uh, that we did out there. And then individually, uh, I got an opportunity to see some guys on – where they are um, on the depth chart and what they can do, uh, how they've gotten better uh, each and every practice. Uh, so now I know they're excited about getting an opportunity to play against someone else since we've been beating up on each other for a long time. Something that was not possible in the scrimmage on Friday that will be come Wednesday and throughout the season, those three dynamic wings Michigan possesses, Isaiah Livers, Sean D. Brown, and Franz Wagner, they can all be on the floor at the same time. Coach Howard was asked, if he's run with those three on the floor in practice and what he has seen, if so. They have been on, on the same lineup before in practice, and uh, I've seen a, a lot of good things with that lineup. Um, all three are, are very long. Um, they have, you know, yes, Franz and Isaiah is a lot taller and a lot bigger than Shandy, but Shandy's uh, toughness, aggressiveness, uh, defensively, uh, it causes a lot of um, – problems for his, his opponents and you know we're going to go to that lineup at times and uh you know i expect uh with that that lineup there are going to be some uh, really good production um because of the, putting them in situations in practice and seeing how it, it has grown and we will continue to grow with it that'll be a fascinating lineup to see in full force and you expect to see it at least a little bit coming up on wednesday against bowling green four o'clock at chrysler center Many believe this game will begin the Franz Wagner breakout season. We'll talk to him about his growth from that freshman season to this, his sophomore season, what he did during the shutdowns, all the family time he got to have, and a whole lot more. Here is Franz Wagner. Franz, let's go back a year ago this coming Friday. You were getting ready to suit up for your first college basketball game against Iowa State down in the battle for Atlantis. What do you remember about that day and your first opportunity a little bit later than what you were expecting to get a chance to play college basketball? Wow, that's already a year ago. That's crazy. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously I was a little nervous, a little bit more nervous than normally for a game because obviously a special situation coming off of an injury and um, in a new country and all of that. So um, it was a very exciting day. Um, I was just trying to focus on the little things that I can do on the court. Uh, I mean, I practiced a couple of weeks before uh, before that game with the team. So um, I kind of knew what I had to do. But um, just was trying to keep it a little, little simple for myself and uh, not expect too much um, in the first couple of minutes. When you talk to quote-unquote experts about your game, people felt like you were pretty ready for college basketball. You, you had the mold of someone who could come in and contribute, and you did. But what were some things that, as you got your first chances to play, maybe you realized, boy, I, I didn't anticipate this, or I need to get better at this as you were going along? I think one-on-one defense. I think here overall in America, um, once the opponent kind of figures out that um, maybe you're not the strongest defender, they're going to go at you. Um, so I think that's one, one of the things um, they really have to get better. There's a lot of shifty, really quick guards. Also on the positions that I, on the positions that I play. So 
Um, that was for sure one of the things that I kind of struggled at to start with. Um, and I think overall the athleticism and um, just the quickness and, uh, of the players, um, those are probably the things that you kind of have to get used to. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think it just takes a little time. Um, it took a little time for me to adjust to that. Um, but I, I was kind of, I was satisfied with the way that I handled those those situations. So last year you missed a few games due to injury. You got sick around the holidays. Once you got back to full strength, to full Franz Wagner, where did you feel like your game was when things stopped? Did you feel like you were beyond that freshman stage and, and really comfortable in who you were as a player? Oh, yeah, I was very comfortable. Um, I think throughout the season I kind of figured out the spots on offense where I can be efficient uh, within the within the team concept, um, driving to the basket, um, yeah, getting downhill and then knocking down open shots that others created for me. Um, and then defensively, I think I played a solid year um, as a team defender. Uh, I think I could have defended a little bit better on the ball, but um, I think I did a good job rebounding and stuff like that. So um, not just building off of that. I'm trying to make the next step. I uh, worked, worked a lot on, on my weaknesses in the offseason, and now um, it's time kind of to, to reap the benefits of that. Something that I'm always impressed by when I talk to you is you seem to be very reflective, very understanding of, of kind of the big picture. From last year to now, both on and off the floor, how have you matured and grown as a person away from the basketball floor? I, I'd say just, getting more comfortable within myself. Uh, I think that's a big part of growing up. Um, I said it last year, like that was one of the things that I learned really quickly. Like now everything that I do um, is on me. Like I take full responsibility uh, for that. Like I'm not living with my parents anymore. Um, like I'm far away from home and from anything that I was used to. So now it's kind of time to, I think that's what college is for kind of take responsibility for your actions. And um, I think that kind of helped me be more comfortable within myself and um, be more confident within uh, kind of with me as a person and, and what I, what I stand for. Um, I think that helps on the court too. Um, but like you said, off the court, I think those are kind of the areas like where when you, when you realize that you're the one making the decisions now, um, that's, I think what, what kind of comes comes with that um i think that's just part of growing up um and i was very happy to kind of do it with the teammates that i had i think they made it really easy for me you mentioned that you're far from home but because of the unique challenges of 2020 you got a bright spot of being able to spend a lot of time with your parents with your brother mo especially early on during the shutdown so what was the best part of that and what did it mean to have probably you know an unexpected chunk of family time in march and april that was great um they came over they wanted to watch kind of the postseason um and then everything got shut down so we spent quite some time together in dc um which was kind of like the holidays, uh, holiday feeling, like kind of having the whole family together, um, just hanging out, um, eating together. Like I said, a lot of times, like it doesn't really take a lot of time for other families to kind of get into our family groove, I'd say. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just super easy to, to talk to everybody. And um, yeah, it was definitely a good thing to have um, during those kind of three, four months where everything was so weird. 
How during that time did you and Mo stay sharp? I know there were issues for a little while for anybody to be able to shoot because they couldn't get inside the gym. So how did you stay ready in that situation? And, and how did you make the most out of, again, what was a pretty tough spot? I think a big part for me before we started really working out again was kind of to reflect on everything and kind of be at ease with everything that was happening. Um, and then once we kind of did that, um, yeah, we, we started working out. Um, kind of in the apartment on the Mo's uh, apartment and we had some weights some bands and stuff like that and then after a couple of weeks we found the gym and then obviously it was a lot more easier to to shoot and to work on all those things um, to get back into basketball shape and those kind of things but we worked out at home uh, we had two basketballs so we can do some ball handling drills and stuff like that um, and we obviously had Zoom calls with our team so um, I think those things all really helped um, kind of prepare for for the summer. I've heard you get asked the question, how has Mo helped you a ton? And I'm sure you've gotten it hundreds of times. How have you, in your mind, helped Mo at this point? Um, well, I think we're, we're a little bit different and, uh, in a couple aspects. I think he always says uh, that he talks before he thinks, and I do it the other way. Um, so maybe that's one thing. Um, sometimes kind of take a step back and maybe listen a little more to, to everybody around you. Um, but really, I, I don't really know. You have to ask, ask him. Um, I think we we both have qualities that, that we can take something from the other one. And I think we do that. And, um, yeah, just having a brother like that, I think, um, helps a lot. You have a little bit of a different game in terms of your skill sets, in terms of where, you know, Washington uses him, where Michigan uses you. So when you guys are going at each other, whether it's in one-on-one drills or whatever it might be, how does the fact that he doesn't play exactly the same game as you challenge you and vice versa? I mean, that's kind of the same thing with what I just said. Um, Having a different kind of game, that helps a lot because – now you can work on stuff that one one dude is good at and the other one isn't. So um, that way you can expand your game. Um, with him, I worked a lot on, on post moves during the summer. Um, obviously, that's what he's good at, and I can learn a little bit from that. And then he, um, I kind of shown him some moves going downhill and how to attack, uh, help defenders and stuff like that, I think, because um, he doesn't do that that much uh, when he plays. So I think that helps a lot that you can just, um, kind of learn from the other and uh, expand your expand your game that way. With Franz Wagner here on Defend the Block, when you were a kid, beyond basketball, what were your hobbies? What else did you like to do to pass the time? Um, I mean, I think I played a little bit more PlayStation than than Mo did, so I like to do that with my friends. Um, kind of a newer generation. Um, other than that, we were just going outside. I don't know, play some, play soccer or something. Um, but yeah, during the summertime, we were out, outside a lot. Um, yeah, I don't really know. PlayStation, just hang out with friends, probably that. When did you fall in love with the game? And when did you realize, I, I might be able to, to do this at a pretty high level? Um, I fell in love with the game. I think just 
the first couple of times that I played, that I practiced, uh, I remember watching some of Mo's games, and then I went to practice myself. And that was just something about it that um, kind of fulfilled me, and I was just so eager to learn everything and just wanted to play all the time. Um, and when I when I knew, that was kind of the moment, like, when I knew that's what I want to do. Like, I think uh, people that have done the same thing that kind of found their passion, I think they can relate to that, that. Once you find it, that's that is really when you know that's what that's what I want to do for for the next couple of years. So um, I'd say those are the same same type of moment. Other than Mo, who were the players that you watched? Whether they were in Germany, NBA guys you watched that you whether it was model your game after or just really enjoyed watching them compete. Oh, my parents can tell you I was watching YouTube highlights all day of all types of players. Obviously, LeBron. Um, has a huge impact on on my generation, um, just because he's been dominant for so long. Watched a lot of Kevin Durant things, um, Derrick Rose um, in his prime, Steph Curry, um, and I think you just kind of watch them, and then when you work on yourself, um, you remember those type of things that you saw on YouTube and stuff, and, and you try to imitate that a little bit. Um, and that way, you kind of take a little bit from everybody, I think. Um, but yeah, I just enjoyed uh, watching basketball highlights and, and dunks and nice moves and all of that. People wondered uh, how seriously you would take a potential examination of your NBA draft stock if you would go because of how well you finished last season. You've said that you weren't really truly considering it, but what did going through the process a little bit, trying to get feedback, most importantly, how has that helped shape your prep and your goals for this season? I mean, one thing that showed me like the whole process, I mean, it wasn't a long process, but getting the feedback and um, that made me realize that I'm on the radar and that I'm um, kind of heading in the right direction. And um, that just motivated me in those weird couple months to keep going and to keep working hard. Well, maybe others um, couldn't or didn't do the same thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, my main motivation isn't that. It's more um, winning every single game with the team now. And I think that way everybody looks better. So, um I think that definitely helped me, though, um, getting that feedback and kind of knowing where I, where I am. That being said, where do you think you need to improve? And, and maybe because of the losses of Xavier Simpson and John Teske, I know you don't play point or center, but how do those losses and how this roster changes because of that set yourself up? What do you need to do more for this team to be successful? Um, well, I think X was a very dominant player last year, so... Um, he made a lot of decisions on the court for us. So um, I think there's a lot of room for a lot of guys to now make those decisions with the ball and uh, kind of create for everybody else. Um, I think we have a lot of guys that can do that and kind of fill that that empty space. Um, and, yeah, for me, I mean, I have to prove that I can do that. Uh, first of all, I didn't really do that last year. Um, so I want to prove that I'm a good pick-and-roll player and kind of can do stuff with the ball uh, off the dribble, create for other stuff like that. Um, and then one big thing, I think, if you look at the season last year, it was very up and down for me. Um, so I want to be more consistent this year uh, with my shot and, and everything else that come, comes with the game. But um, I think being more consistent um, 
very important. With that shot, we all know the potential is there. Uh, I know the three-point shooting wasn't where you wanted it to be. Is it as simple as just, I got to get more reps, I got to get more opportunities in practice, I got to get better as a shooter, or was there something, whether it was the wrist because of the injury or something along those lines, that you can tie it to and, and say, hey, that this is how I can get better from a three-point shot perspective? I think once you miss a couple, um, especially young players, they get into their own head. I think that happened a little bit last year. Um, I tried everything to stay confident and to keep shooting because uh, most of my shots were really good shots. But um, yeah, I think I got to work on that. Uh, we always talk about steady kill, um, kind of keeping the same mindset, uh, not getting too high, not getting too low throughout the game, um, and being level headed. I think um, that that'll help me a lot. Um, not just with my shot, but with my whole game. Let's talk about your team and some of your teammates. When looking on paper, and we talked about it earlier here on the show, the wings, you, Isaiah, Sean D., and there are others, there's so much athleticism, so much talent there. Starting with Isaiah, how do you two play together, work together, and bring out the best in one another? Uh, I think we're both versatile players. Um, we can shoot, we can get to the rim, uh, create for others. Um, obviously, defensively, we can switch uh, most of the ball screens and stuff like that. So that helps a lot. And, um, yeah, I think just bringing that versatility, I think, uh, helps the team a lot in a lot of ways, um, especially defensively. I think um, having big wings that can move um, is very important um, and can shut a lot of teams, give a lot of teams a lot of problems. Um, but, yeah, um, I think we practice hard. Um, we go at each other in practice. And I think that's the way it has to be if we want to um, – win championships here so um yeah i'm very excited for the season and um yeah we're working hard on, on everything that we're talking about here sean d brown i know you haven't had a chance to spend a ton of practice time because of this unique off season but what does he bring to this group on and off the floor um competitiveness um dude always wants to win um i think he's a very very good shooter um, I was a little surprised to be honest, but um, he can really shoot the ball in practices. Um, he's done a great job. I think defensively, like I just said, I mean he's so strong and quick. Um, if you like, if he locks in, like there's not a lot of guys that that, that are going to score on him. So um, I think that competitiveness is the most important thing that, that he goes at people in practice because that's the way that we're ultimately going to be going to be better. Um, and be, be better prepared for the games. Outside of the usual suspects, the people who we all kind of see at the top of the stat sheet is, yeah, they're going to be important players. Who do you think has really stood out now that you guys have started to practice that maybe fans would be surprised about? Um, I don't know if they're surpri- surprised about this, but Terrence Williams, um, I think he's done a really, really good job in practice. Um, he brings that grit. Uh, and toughness to our team. I think that's very important. Um, he just doesn't do, doesn't make any mistakes. Um, we played the scrimmage the other day, and uh, maybe he didn't look like the best player, but um, he just didn't make any mistakes. He rebounded, he defended really hard. Um, and on offense, you can't just leave him alone because um, he's a threat um, from outside, and he can dribble too. So um, I've been really impressed with, with how he played um, and just how cool uh, – common collective years throughout the game. Like, he doesn't get too high um, or too down on himself. And 
I think that's really rare uh, as a freshman. You mentioned the scrimmage over the weekend. Because of this offseason being the way that it was, I'm curious what the group's stamina was like. How did you feel after going through, in essence, an entire game for the first time in a long time? How did you and your teammates handle that? Um, me personally, physically, I didn't feel too bad. Um, I mean, most of the people played like 30-plus minutes, so um, I don't think anybody uh, felt felt out of shape or something like that. Um, so I think those those type of things are good to kind of see where you're at. Um, I think we had a lot of good things on offense and on defense. Um, but um, the film also showed some weaknesses um, that we got to work on in practice. So, um, me personally, I felt, I felt good throughout the throughout the game. Um, I could focus on my things and um, and my team won. So, so that was good. I like it. Before we let you go, Franz, uh, Coach Martelli has said that he's not quite sure you're up to six ten. Uh, he was telling the media that the other day. So here's your platform. Make your case. Franz Wagner, 6'10". Go. Um, my case would be with two socks. I'm 6'10". So um, two socks. Um, I can wear them in the game. So that, that way I'm 6'10". So I give that one to Coach Montelli maybe without shoes. I'm not, not quite there yet, but uh, I'm getting there. I mean, so two pairs of socks and shoes, that's six. I mean, I think that counts. It's like rounding up. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I tell him every day. But um, maybe maybe he'll give it to me after this season. He's just trying to keep you humble. Uh, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. All right, Franz. We appreciate the time. Looking forward to finally seeing you and your teammates go out there on Wednesday. And uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you then. You do the same. Thank you. Let's transition to the women's basketball team. And while we had the full schedule for the men's team back on Wednesday, as of recording this, we only know two games. Central Michigan, Wednesday, and then the Wolverines travel to Oakland on Friday. Of course, everyone on both teams thrilled to be closing in on the season, but few have had to deal with more uncertainty since March than a Ken Ray Johnson. Of course, she had a real breakout season a year ago, during which was termed her senior season. However, because of her injury-shortened freshman campaign, she knew she had a chance to get a fifth year of eligibility. That was not a certainty, though, when the 2019-2020 season ended abruptly. So, for several weeks, Kenray wasn't sure if she had played her final game in the Maize and Blue or not. Sure enough, the NCAA did grant her that fifth season, and now after all the waiting that everyone has had to go through, she's readying for one more go-around with... Let's face it, a program that has higher expectations both internally and externally than any of the previous four seasons she's been a part of. Without further ado, here's my conversation with a Ken Ray Johnson. When last season ended, you did not know that you were going to be back. You found out shortly thereafter. But what were those few weeks like when you did not know that you were coming back, that you thought maybe my college basketball career is over? Um, it was a lot of mixed emotions because, you know, everybody else was so confident. At this point, I don't know if they were really confident or they were just trying to keep my head up, you know. So it was very, like, nerve-wracking because, like, everything added up. Everything was supposed to go accordingly. But, you know, it was a lot of things that can go wrong, um, especially with the state of, you know, what happened. So I hadn't, I hadn't got accepted um, 
NCAA yet. I hadn't got accepted into grad school yet. I had to wait for both those things to come through. And, you know, it was just, it was tough. But once they both came through, it made me so happy because just, I couldn't imagine, you know, ending the season like that, not being able to play again. And then, you know, with um, COVID, I didn't know if I could, you know, start my professional career. I didn't know if we were going to, there was going to be like a season, a WBA draft, or if I can go overseas, anything like that. So it was very nerve wracking. Had you started to think about the idea of a fifth year during last season, even before all of this happened? When did you get fully bought into, I want to come back for another year if the NCAA will allow me? So I thought about it my freshman year, because that's the year that I, you know, was injured. But I didn't know how, you know, a red shirting worked. We, I didn't really understand it. And I knew that I had played games. And there's a difference between a red shirt and like a medical red shirt. So where like medical is like you can play, but like if you have like medical reasons where you can't play the rest of the season, you can, you know, get a red shirt year. So my freshman year, I didn't know that. So I came up with the idea, but I was like, ah, well, it probably won't work. So it wasn't until like around the end of my junior year where me and coach started having the conversation um, about me staying because she was just like, you're improving so well. And it just sucks you didn't get that first year of experience, you know. So now you're like, you're basically like a year behind. So then, you know, after junior year, going into my senior year is when we really were like, yeah, we need to make moves and get this process started. So it was probably the summer going into my senior year when me and coach got like serious, started looking up what to do, how to go about things. So with all that being said, what clicked for you last season? Was it as simple as I'm healthy, I'm able to contribute, or was there something more that allowed you to unlock the potential that everyone knew you possessed? Um... That's a very interesting question. I never really thought about that. Um, I think it came out my sophomore year when I started playing towards the end um, is when the people started seeing my potential, seeing what I could really could do, um, things like that. So senior year, I was just like, you know, I know for a fact I'm, I'm coming back. I'm, I know I'm, I'm going to be a starter. I know I'm going to be a key contributor. So a lot of those things were just like I kind of walked into that role my senior year, but I didn't want to just walk into that role and just – do the role mediocre, um, like mediocre. I wanted to step into that role and go above and beyond what was expected of me. So a lot of it was, yes, I had worked for getting in that position, but I didn't want to just be in that position just to be in it. I wanted to be able to succeed at the highest level. Is that also where your role as a captain and as a leader steps in, in terms of going above and beyond? It's beyond the box score, beyond what happens in those 40 minutes? Yeah, that's kind of how my game has always been my whole life. I was never just... Oh, AK is just a score. It was like, she's a score. She's a rebounder. She's a defender. She has basketball IQ. She's a leader. And my leadership is on and off the court. You know, me being a leader doesn't start stop off the court. You know, I always make sure everybody's good off the court. Like if they need food, if they need a ride, if they need something, um, just the, like me being someone to talk to. And I tell underclassmen that all the time, like being a leader and being a cap- captain isn't just sh- going to shake the ref's hands before the game. It's much more than that. Um, my senior year, the whole team contest to it, like, I didn't have a bad day like you there was no there's no having bad days you know as a leader you have to kind of go through what you go through but be on you know basically on your stuff the entire day of practice so um my two years before being a senior most definitely prepared because I got to watch captains ahead of me and watch different type of captains and how they went about things previous captains did not have to deal with the challenges that you and your team and the leaders on this team have had to deal with in terms of COVID, in terms of social justice issues, in terms of, I mean, your first two games for the season were just announced on Monday. So how has your experience in the past of being a leader 
prepared you as much as possible? And how have there been some instances of this is new, this is different. How do we accomplish this? How do I help to lead? Yeah. So a lot of this experience, I think, came with me tearing my ACL um, twice and breaking my hand to where, um, you know, you can only control, you know, what you can control. We can't control COVID. We can't control lockdowns. We can't do anything. We can just do what we do every single day to prevent things that we can prevent and to put our best foot forward as much as we can. Um, so like me, when I was coming off my injury, it was like, well, I can't play basketball right now, but I'm going to do extra therapy to get me back quicker or stronger. I'm going to, you know, mentally I have to get myself prepared mentally. So a lot of that preparation and like, I guess, calmness, people would say I have like a calmness about myself. Um, a lot of that has came with my um, experience of going through injuries to where sometimes, you know, life doesn't go exactly how you want it to go. And you have to adjust, you know, life is. I say, well, life is like 1%, um, what happens to you 99% by how you react. Things are going to happen. And, you know, we can't, you just have to control the controllables. You can't control COVID. We can only control, you know, being safe, wearing our masks, um, not having social gatherings, not going out to parties and clubs. Um, unfortunately, right now, it's like not really seeing our family a lot. So we can only control. And then once we get on the court, control what we can control. It's that concept of sometimes you just have to say, I don't know. But here are the things I do know. Let's do this and keep going. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by the parallel with the injury. Uh, with those injuries, how did you get ba- better as a basketball player when you could not actually compete? I learned how to watch the game as a coach. Um, when I toured my junior year of high school, my dad was my AAU coach. So I, had to, I sat next to him the entire summer. He basically put me on the coaching staff. Like I was assistant coach basically. Um, and I got to watch the games from a coach's perspective. Because it's one thing being on the bench, but it's one thing being on the bench and being a coach and not being able to go in and, part- and participate. So um, then I tore it the second time, you know, it was a lot of film. It was a lot of, you know, just watching, um, watching people's tendencies. Um, I watched who was on the court and how long they were on the court and why they were on the court. And I also um, was able to mature enough to be like, well, when I get back off my injury, of course, I'm not going to be a starter and a, chief, and a key contributor. So how am I going to find my way on the court? So I started finding people that weren't really scoring much and, you know, ask myself, what are they doing different to keep them on the court, even though they're not really producing? So watching like Jillian Dunstan and, you know, Danielle Williams, and even Nicole Munger, what they did, what got them on the court wasn't their offense. It was their defense, you know, guarding the best players, um, getting the defensive stops, having energy, having hustle, getting rebounds, being a spark. So I said, well, let me do these little things first. And then once I get coaches trust, you know, then I'll go on the court. So that's kind of how my process went with that. So is coaching a potential part of your future? And if so, when did you start to think of that as a possibility? Um, My parents say I would be a very good coach. My three, four years in college, I was like, I don't want to be a coach because I don't know why I just never saw myself being a coach, you know, but um, I guess, you know, but being a you know coach's daughter, you kind of pick up on things that other people don't really pick up on, you know, like just how to go about things, how to treat players, how to like, I mean, my dad was the type of person where he wasn't just a coach. He was a mentor to people. So he was, he didn't just stop coaching when practice was over. It was like, if you needed a ride, he gave you a ride. If you needed, you know, extra things, he gave you extra things. If you needed some food, you know, cause all of our teammates, of course, were our friends. If you needed food, if you needed a place to stay, if you just needed anything, he was just that extra person. So I learned from him that being a coach isn't just all basketball. So, but like, as of right now, as you know, I can see, you know, in this decade or so, my, you know, basketball coming to an end, you know, I am getting older. I have to realize, you know, basketball eventually does stop. Um, I have been thinking a lot about, you know, being a coach and getting into coaching. And I think that 
my experience being at Michigan, as well as, you know, hopefully my experience playing professionally will get will open a lot of doors in me being a coach. All right. We won't worry about that. We'll put that off for later because I do think you've got that ability to do it. No question. You're talking like a coach right now. So let's look at this season. Let's look at this team. Since you've been able to get back into the gym, what do you think the identity is of this team? And what do you think needs to happen for you to reach the potential that you and your teammates possess? I think the identity identity of our team is that I don't think anybody gives up. And a lot of play a lot of places, you know, you see players where, you know, they kind of get a feel they're not gonna play and they kind of, you know, give up, you know, during practice and stuff. Our players were not like that. We compete every single day, we compete at the highest level. Um, Coach Rico emphasizes every single day, you know, to go against people every day, like you're trying to take them their spot. So you know, the freshmen and people, you know, that normally play a lot, they go against us. They go against me, Amy Nas, you know, Haley, Leah. They go against us every day because they're like, if I can beat you, I have something to prove and I can get on the court and I can do something with somebody else. So I think our identity as a team, is just we just don't give up and we all do the extra mile in order you know, to be successful. And I think that just has to translate, you know, onto the court basketball wise. Because unfortunately, how COVID works, you know, God forbid when something, you know, pops up and one of us, you know, get COVID or get sick, you know, it's next man up. You always have to be prepared. So I always tell them, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So you have to stay ready, stay prepared. Um, so that's just one thing you have to do during this time is you always have to stay ready. Never think that your name is not going to be called because I never thought that I always stay ready, stay prepared. And my, when my name was called, I was able to produce. So just being able to stay ready when, you're, when your jersey number is called. Of course, someone who has been ready to produce her entire career is Nas Hillman. She's getting a lot of accolades coming her way, deservedly so. What about her? allows her to compartmentalize that and ensure that that does not affect her and her mindset and she stays focused on the task at hand? Nas is so, I don't know how she does it, but the world sees Nas Hillman as this, this great player. And we see her as that too, but knowing her, like being around her, she does not act that way at all. She does not act like Nas Hillman. She never, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people that like we're in Nas position, you know, they, favoritism like you know they like they use their favoritism you know as an advantage you know on the court in life things like that Nas is not a type of player she will never make it seem like she's ahead of anybody in anything you know she treats everyone equally and she wants everyone to treat her equally you know whenever she gets accolade and we announced it in our you know circle before practice she's like okay guys like let's move on like she she doesn't like it because she's like, without you guys, you know, I don't get these accolades. I don't get these things without you guys passing me the ball, you know, shooting if I get the rebound, you guys believing in me. Um, so she's just a great person and a great, you know, she's a great player and a great person to be around. And, you know, every single day she works as if she's at the bottom. She doesn't come in and slack off. Our practice points, she wins them almost every single day. You know, she works hard every single day because it's, ne- it's never a day where I'm like, oh, Nas is not going to bring it today. She's just an incredible worker and everything that she has and, everything that she will have in the future, she has earned. Um, I, I believe that she has earned and she, you know, works for it as if she doesn't have these accolades um, already in her pocket. Outside of who you could look at the box score and say, oh, of course, Nas, of course, Ken Ray, of course, Amy are, are going to be important. Who else has stood out and maybe is ready to take that leap from not playing to contributing or maybe a freshman who wasn't here last year to contributing or a contributor who's ready to become a real star? Um, so most definitely, you know, Haley Brown coming back, she's starting to play. She's playing with a lot of confidence, you know, four-year starter. You don't really get that um, when you're a freshman. You know, you can be a good player, but always, you know, that's that, that, you know, just 
four-year starter. She has time ahead of everybody, you know, so she's going to, she has experience. But other than Haley, I really see Maddie Nolan stepping up this year and being a very key contributor. She can shoot the ball. It's, it's crazy how well she can shoot the ball and just a quick release. It's a very quick release. By the time you close out, the ball's already in the air. And she's been working incredibly hard this summer. Um, we actually had to tell her, you know, to chill out a little bit because, you know, she has her little knee brace on. Um, so she's been dealing, um, dealing with some issues with her knees. So we, have to, we actually have to tell her to, you know, chill out and um, not get in the gym so much because we're like, we understand you want to be great, but you just need to relax a little bit. We need you for the season. We need you for longevity. So I think most definitely Maddie Lowen is going to be a player to surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, Kenry, before we let you go, you've seen this program continue to climb. A lot of programs, whether it's college basketball or any other sport, it seems like it's more of a roller coaster. You have a couple good years, a couple bad years. Michigan has had that slow, steady increase where you can you can see, you can perceive the differences, the improvements. How have you viewed that from the inside? How have you seen this program grow? in your time. Of course, the growth started before you and it will continue after you depart. But in your time in Ann Arbor, where have you seen the growth? And and do you have any examples of, yeah, this is why, this is why we're making those steps? Um, I think one example I have um, is our junior class as of right now, when they came in, I, that's when I really started to see a shift in our growth um, growing as a team. You know, I saw it before, obviously, just moving up in rankings, moving up and, you know, um, how we finish and things like that. But when our junior class came in as freshmen, the way that they came in, you would think they were juniors right now because their mentality was different. They're, they were so basketball IQ. They were just there. Their work ethic was incredible. So, you know, they all came in. And when they all came in, now usually, you know, freshmen come in and you're like, oh, okay, well, they're just freshmen, you know, like they're good. But, you know, I'm out I'm, I'm, I'll do them every single day. No, when they came in, it was like, no, I have to come every day. I have to be on my A game because one wrong day and they're – they're going to let you have it. It's going to be known that, you know, you're just not where you need to be right now. So when they came in, they came in, they were the most people in the gym that year. They were in the gym every single day, regardless if they were playing or if they weren't playing, they brought it a hundred percent. They just didn't act like freshmen, you know? So I think that was a very big step. And I think we just continue to keep on bringing in freshmen that are like that to where you have to compete every single day to be on your A game or they will potentially take your spot. And a lot of teams don't have that. A lot of teams, you know, people think that their spots are guaranteed. But, you know, here every single year a freshman, a few freshmen can come in and easily take somebody's spot just from their work ethic and how they produce. Um, so I think that's a really big culture change um, that I've been seeing here. It's just that the freshmen bring it every single year. And we continue to bring in freshmen that are able to push our upperclassmen that way. Lastly, it's game week. I'm sure you have been waiting Patiently and maybe at times impatiently. Very long time. I mean, obviously, you're going out there, you're competing, you want to win every time. But have you thought about what it's going to be like to go out there for the first game after all this, after your career could have been over if the NCAA ruled differently? Your career could have been over if we didn't have a season. There are a lot of things that happen. Your thankfulness, your excitement level for just being able to go out on the floor and compete against the team on Wednesday. I'm just very excited, very blessed. You know, my teammate, um, my old roommate, Kayla Robbins, you know, everybody loves Kayla Robbins. 
you know, it's just crazy because I came in with her and usually, you know, when you leave, you leave with your, who you came in with, but just having someone that's your age and went through everything you went through telling you like, AK, you need to stay, you need to dominate, you need to do these things because life after college is tough. She, she tells me it's tough. It's very tough. You know, you're just known for being a college athlete. You're known for your identity. And after college, you have to find a new identity. So she, you know, she's in my ear, in my ear almost every single week, like, AK, please just enjoy your last year of college enjoy it be patient uh, work hard you know be grateful like she tells me like there's nothing she, like she would give anything to be in the position that i am right now so i just take that as being just grateful being able to get a degree here and also get another degree so above anything i'm just very thankful regardless of fans being being able to be there or not i know they're going to be able to support us in any way that they can so just being able to actually go out there and play and just have a chance at you know finishing where we left, left off last year is very exciting I can second Kayla's theory. Uh, yeah, stay in college as long as you possibly can. I get it a lot. I get that a lot. Uh, no doubt. Ken Ray, really appreciate your time. Good luck on Wednesday and throughout the season. Looking forward to finally seeing you and your teammates suit up. Thank you so much. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Defend the Block. Again, coming up Wednesday, a little bit after Michigan men's basketball against Bowling Green, we will have a post-game edition of Defend the Block. You'll hear the post-game thoughts of Juwan Howard. You'll hear the highlights. You'll hear the national champ Terry Mills with his post-game analysis, and we'll bring it to you again here on these same podcast channels coming up Wednesday. Thanks to Tom Wyrock. Sarah Van Meter, everyone associated with Michigan Athletics and Learfield IMG College for allowing this to come together. We'll talk to you Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve. The college basketball season is almost here, and we will bring you everything with Michigan basketball all season long, whatever it may look like during this unique time here on Defend the Block. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Defend the Block, part of our Michigan Athletics Podcast Network, MGo Blue Podcasts. The preceding is a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.